Good morning. Uh, we want to welcome you. Thank you for joining with us. And uh, uh, last week, we uh, on Easter Sunday, we had fantastic services. Uh, uh, many of you are here and uh, great worship. And um, I, I hope that you appreciate the church staff that you uh, have here. They don't always get the the kudos uh, because they operate behind the scenes, but um, fantastic services all through Lent and Easter. And if you'd help me, even though they're not all here, uh, would you just help me thank them for the good work? They... <clears throat> that they do. Um, we, we This is uh, the beginning of Easter season. And uh, just like with, with Christmas, we have this tendency in the church to take these high, holy uh, days and uh, aim at them, build up to them, and then turn the page and move on. Uh, and, and with Easter, especially, we, we, we do Lent and sort of spend this time building up to it. We do our Holy Week services and, and reflect on the cross and the sacrifice of Christ. And then we hit it at Easter and it's, it's this crescendo and then it, it sort of falls off a cliff. Traditionally, uh, they call this, uh, sir, uh, this Sunday Low Sunday. Uh, right? And it's not just about attendance. It's about that, that crescendo of after you've celebrated something, it's like everyone has a Easter hangover now and, uh, uh, just fallen off the cliff. And, and, uh, but we, what we want to do is, uh, take this, this foundational part of our faith. I mean, th- this is the thing that makes us unique among all the world religions. There are, there are many moral codes. There's lots of ways to improve your life. There's lots of teachings and religious systems. But Christianity, in Christianity, we believe that our, our Lord came to earth as one of us, suffered and died for us, and has risen from the dead and now sits next to God the Father waiting to redeem us. You, we just recited that in the Apostles' Creed. The, this foundational belief and and it, we don't always explore all of that and so this month for the next 5 weeks we're we're going to take an extended deep dive into talking about the resurrection we'll look at some of the different um gospel uh, uh uh sharing of that the teaching of the gospel and and just reflect on on this foundational piece this this uh, above all else we are we serve because we have a risen savior he he lives he is risen and uh for old school he is risen indeed right we uh that's that's the formal greeting this morning i've been asked a couple times uh it's orthodox easter what does that mean uh well it's no big difference other than uh the european churches and uh, uh some of the middle east uh, areas base their observance of easter on a julian calendar ours is based on the gregorian calendar uh which is a secular calendar that so they come up with different dates didn't that make you feel smarter now that you you know that you don't hear about as much but with ukraine in the news uh, they were talking this morning that it's easter there in the orthodox churches so it's been more of a topic but so we uh this morning we're going to start in mark 
uh, in Mark. We'll be in, in, in your bulletin. It says 6, but it's 16. Mark chapter 16. Mark is the briefest of the Gospels. Mark is also uh, widely accepted as the primary, the, the, begin, the first Gospel written. Uh, it is named Mark. Uh, John Mark is the one who wrote it down, but it is the testimony of Peter. Uh, which, uh, when you put those two things together, Peter Fisherman, not Peter the, the public speaker or P- Peter the politician, he just wanted to get to the point and get the story out, right? And so you have the briefest of the, of the, uh, gospel accounts in Peter. It's, uh, the, the idea is Peter wrote his, uh, pr- pretty early on, uh, following the, the resurrection and following, uh, the, the ascension. Uh, Peter was one of those first things out there. Matthew, Luke, and some others then took that as a pattern to develop theirs. John is the last of the gospels, uh, came probably around 60 AD. Uh, 60 years later. So there was this, there was this pushing out of the message, uh, to, to get people to, to have it written down and to have a record of what had happened. And so we're gonna, we're gonna read, uh, Peter. And as I said, this is the briefest, but uh, Peter doesn't give a lot of details. Uh, but, uh, we'll be in chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb, and on the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. And when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side. And the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. This is the word of the Lord. <coughs> Thanks be to God. Uh, we probably haven't heard this part preached very often because Peter has a very abrupt ending to his gospel. If you have your Bible and, and you look at it, mo- most of our uh, modern Bibles are going to have an explanation uh, that there are two additional endings to Mark. One is a shorter ending, and it's really short. Uh, then they briefly reported all of this. Peter and his companions, Jesus himself, sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. Amen. That's an addition. There's a longer edition uh, that came, that uh, was uh, proposed, uh, and that goes on, and that talks about snakes and and demons and all that kind of stuff. And and but it it is widely accepted that the original manuscript. Remember, these were written down on papyrus and ink and passed along. They didn't have mimeographs uh, machines. They didn't have digital copiers. They didn't have JPEGs. They didn't have computer processing in order to 
preserve the word and make copies of it, you had scribes that would take it and dutifully write it down. And it took years to do that. And when cases like this with Peter, uh, oftentimes those scribes would try to help the story a little bit because certainly Peter didn't want it to end that way. Uh, he, he must have just fallen asleep at the end of writing the thing. So they added it in. Because, you know, all of us, we, we like to rush to the resolution of the story. We, we still do it in Easter, don't we? We, that's why we, we build up to Easter, then we turn the page to move on with our lives. We want the good news of Jesus, but we, we don't want to dwell in the, the buildup. We don't want to dwell in the, the emotion of it. We don't want to dwell in that. We want everything to sort of come full circle. And I think that's what the scribe was trying to do is bring a, a, a circle around to, to finish the message because, I mean, like last week, I, I shared in my sermon, I, I believe the women are the first to go share the good news of Jesus Christ. They eventually go and, and tell, but Peter's ends with, and the women were afraid and didn't tell anyone anything. There's, there's this sense of bewilderment and fear in this. The sense of, of awe and, frankly, being scared. And so what I want to do this morning is just sort of reflect on, on that, 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 that unsettling part of the resurrection, that unsettling part of the power of God. You know, this whole Jesus thing, not just the resurrection, his whole ministry is unsettling. If you, if you go back, a, a guy shows up, on the landscape, claims to have a special connection with God, is doing miracles, supposedly, that are reported. We, we often, and I'm, I'm, I do it all the time, I'm often critical of the religious leaders because those who knew God best missed God when He showed up because they couldn't accept that someone was doing that. But let's be honest. If in our culture right now, somebody showed up and news reports were that there was someone doing miracles and had a a divine power, do you know who the biggest skeptics would be? Us. Because God doesn't work that way. That must be one of those non-denominational type of churches that he came from. Probably use guitars too. Right? We, we, we are skeptical in that. We, we often, it, I, so, so many of us grew up in a time where the, the anger of God and the fear of God was more of a topic, right? And we heard sermons on uh, turn or burn, you know, basically, uh, type of, of thinking. And, and then in, and that's sort of a ditch over here. And then in correction of that, we swung from one ditch into a ditch on the other side of the road where we swung into Jesus is my buddy uh, mode. And in that, we missed this healthy relationship in the middle, right? I, I, I don't believe we need to be afraid of God as we think of afraid, like a, 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 a physical fear of him, uh, uh, an anxiety over what he might do to us or uh, uh, 
and how he might use us. That's not what a fear of God means. And I, I also, I believe that Jesus is our friend and invites us to be a friend, that he wants a personal relationship with him. But in, in those two extremes, we miss the richness of who God really is. This, this divine, all-powerful being who by his grace and nature invites us into an intimate relationship, but make no mistake, he is awesome and powerful. The fear of God for us, the kind of fear that we are to have, that kind of awe and respect that we are to have of him, is it, the, the easiest way for me to try to communicate that is if you think of a raging fire. And we don't stick our hand in the fire because we respect the heat and the power of the fire. It would burn you if you did that. That sort of equates to the power of God, that God is so white, heart, white hot with pureness and holiness and His majesty and His power that there's just this healthy respect that you don't mess with that, right? You, you, only, you, 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 pay, you pay attention to it. You pay respect to it. And in, in our rush to Jesus the buddy, and in our, in our rush to complete this, right, we, uh, the, the, the mystery about uh, the resurrection of Jesus, we move right into, and, and then he appeared, right? And, and then they knew. But what about that in-between time before they knew? They just had heard. Do you know a God? That you have a little bit of bewilderment and mystery and awe about? Can you go there in your mind? Can you live in the fact that you're never going to be able to fully comprehend Him? That you're never going to be able to know everything about Him, that there is a mystery to how He operates and a mystery to how He inter interlopes in our lives. There's a mystery to how and when He does things. And when He does them, they are unsettling. This Jesus doing the miracles, and then you get to, then you get to Holy Week and talk about some weird, scary stuff going on. On Friday of the, of the crucifixion, uh, as, as He dies at noon, uh, the, in the, in the temple, the separation between the courtyard and the Holy of Holies was a large curtain. You didn't go in there without being sanctified. You didn't go in there without preparing yourself. Only the chief priest that had prepared himself would go in. They'd tie a rope around his waist in case he messed up in there and, and God did something to him so they could drag him in and they wouldn't put their lives in danger. At the moment of Christ's crucifixion, the curtain ripped apart. It symbolized for us that God is no longer separate from us. He's one of us and His holiness and His grace is available for anyone and everyone. But it was this mysterious, powerful act of God. There was earthquakes and rumblings at the time of His, at the time of His death. Dead people got up out of their graves at the time. When's the last time you ever saw that? Right. Can you imagine? You're going down to the market and you're like, Jim, I haven't seen you since your funeral. Power of God. 
Mary and Mary and Salome, they, they were on their way to the deal. They, they were on their way to take care of the body. They had, they had to, in haste, put Jesus in the tomb after his crucifixion because at sunset the Sabbath was about to begin and they needed, they couldn't work on the Sabbath, so they quickly had to get him into the tomb. They didn't have the chance to take care of his body the way they intended to, which they gathered spices. They'd wrap those spices in amongst the, the, the grave wrapping, the shroud. Uh, that's part of how they prepared the body for burial. They were on their way to do that. They show up, the stone is rolled away, and they poke in, and it says they saw a young man dressed in white. In, in uh, John's version, we get that there was two angels, one at the head and one at the foot, right? And in this, as we go through these, you're going to get different stories about the resurrection. And I don't know if you ever had that college professor that wanted to poke holes in your faith. And this is the kind of thing they'd look at and they'd say, see, you can't even, they couldn't even get their story straight. The thing that's most important to Christians, they couldn't even get their story straight. But for me, the inconsistency actually lends credence to why it's believable. Because if it was a conspiracy and you were trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes and you were trying to write it as a, as a hoax, you wouldn't put those kind of details and mistakes in it. You'd make sure it all matched. And, and let's be honest, we all have different ways of viewing the world and how we see things. If after church we're out in the parking lot and there's an accident and there's 60 people standing there, we'd get 60 different versions of what happened because all of us view it from our own perspective and filters. So don't let the, the, the difference in the story throw you for a loop. It's, it's part of the humanness that the Holy Spirit allowed to come out in this telling of this, this great event. But as they peek in, this young man in white says, don't be afraid. Have you ever noticed whenever angels show up, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid? You know why? Because they're scary. <laughs> if an angel ever shows up to you, be afraid. <laughs> Right? When, when a godly being shows up in your midst and says, don't be afraid, your radar should go up. There's something big happening here. Of course they were afraid. And then he says, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. He'll meet you where he told you he'd meet you. See you later. Go tell the people. Go tell the folks. Go tell the guys. And they leave and it says they were so frightened and bewildered that they didn't Tell anyone anything. Of course not. See, this is this is that that in between part that we don't talk about. This is before Jesus reveals Himself. This is before He walks through the wall and and enters the room and says, "Look at my hands. Put your put your hand in my side. It's me." This is before he breaks bread with them and gives Peter the chance to be forgiven for his three times of, of <coughs> denying him. This is before if Paul says in Corinthians that over 500 people viewed the risen Lord. This is before any of that took place. This is the in-between of what had been told them 
and what they had experienced and what was reality, but they couldn't see it. This is where we live, isn't it? We, we have this message of the risen Christ who's on the right hand of God, who loves us, who has prepared a place for us that, that rises us from the dead as well. So we don't need to be afraid of death. But anyone else have a little bit of fear of death and the unknown? You know, it, we're, we, we so don't want people to, to have doubt that we try to just complete that circle like the the scribe tried to do with Peter's gospel. We don't want to live in the unknown. We don't want to live with the unsettling of bewilderment and fear. Let's complete the circle so we can all just feel better. But the reality is life isn't lollipops and unicorns. I've been saying that. And then the other, I saw this morning a, a unicorn come in. There was a grandkid in a unicorn outfit. I think she went to children's church. So we do have unicorns here, but We don't live in that kind of, we live in a world that's full of mystery. And here's, here's the thing. I think Peter left it hanging. Number one, I think his, his gospel was early enough that he assumed the story of, of the resurrection was being told. So number one, there was an assumption there that that was well known. But I also think the Holy Spirit led him to lead it here because this this gap between what we hope and where where we are is where faith comes in. See, for the Marys and for Salome, for, for the guys, they're living in this time of Jesus said he was risen. The angel told them they were risen, but they hadn't seen him yet. There was still this unsureness of that, this unsettling in this mystery of death this unsettling deal. We all get unsettled by God. His power on display. Peter had been disturbed at the power of God before in his, in his relationship with him. When he first met him, Jesus preached out of his boat. And Peter, when he, when he heard the words of Jesus, was so aware of it, it, the power and authority that he taught with that he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, you need to get away from me because I'm a sinful man and you're, you're something else. Later on, uh, they were on the rocket, Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. He said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. Jesus said, you're right. And it's on that rock, I'm going to build my church. And because of that, the son of man is going to have to suffer and die. And Peter, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going to suffer and die. And Jesus locked eyes with him and said, get away from me, Satan. And Peter was taken aback because friend Jesus had a power and authority and a mission that was unsettling. And now here we are. God was skin on, had been lying in a tomb, and now the angel is saying, don't be afraid, but he's okay. No wonder they were bewildered and afraid. 
We have, we have that kind of questionable thing happening. Now, the, the fact of the matter is, no, we're never going to be able to prove the resurrection. Right? Uh, for years, as I was entering seminary, and it had been going on before that, but the, this idea of apologetics and, and, and sort of giving an argument to our faith and a lot of energy went in, and, and some folks did some excellent work on that, of, of making a rational argument for faith. But at the end of the day, we're never going to be able to prove it. We believe that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, but how are we ever going to prove that? There's not like an internet camera that's focused in on the throne room of God that we can log into uh, at, uh, on the online and say, oh, there they are. What are they doing now? That's, that's, that's not going to happen. We don't have uh, photos that are going to show up of the resurrected Lord, right? We, we're never going to be able to prove it. At the end of the day, his power and his authority and his majesty is something that we just have to belief. It's called faith. This last week after um, Easter service, when I got home, it was like one one fifteen, one thirty. I was walked in the door. Uh, Lori was on the phone with her brother. Her uh, mom had been taken to the hospital. Her mom's been sick for a little while, but um, uh, and uh, but her mom had been taken to the hospital and we, we, we then were, were starting lunch and stuff. Brother called back two hours later and she was gone had passed away. And so as we were around the table and the girls were there, so their grandma, Lori's mom, we were, you know, the tears are going and you don't know what to say in a time like that. And I, you know, I had just for five services stood up and proclaimed the risen Lord. Proclaimed that he had conquered death. Proclaimed that there was something beyond this. But at that moment of grief and at that moment of heartache and at that moment of loss, which you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it too. I I couldn't pull something out of my pocket and give them proof. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't point to an article that... W- they could read to take their pain to to assure them at the end of the day what i could offer was the hope of god based on faith based on faith that that's that's the place we live folks in this life that is hard in this in this place where grief and and sickness and illness exist in this place where we say goodbye to folks too early and 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 how many times that I have I stood before friends and family with their loved ones as we're getting ready to say goodbye to them and said they 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 are going to a better place is this is not goodbye this is see you later but at the end of the day I only hope that right now by faith. And at times, especially in the midst of fear, in the midst of bewilderment, in the midst of grief, there's times where that question creeps to doubt. And you begin to wonder, is it real? Can we really go there? This is why I think the Holy Spirit was just genius in how he leaves this with Peter. Because this is where God's people are going to live until he does return. 
We don't know what heaven looks like. We don't know how the transition happens in all of that. We, there's speculation and all that kind of stuff. We don't know how all that plays out. We hope. We hope that. But frankly, we're just bewildered and often frightened of what lies ahead. But can you believe in a God that even when you feel unsettled is still working for your good? Because where where this story, where Peter, I think, assumed everyone knew it had already gone. We know the story. That's why we rush to the end and we skate past this middle, this this tension time. We skate right past it because that's we we know the end. We know the women eventually did tell Peter and the guys. We know that then the Peter and the guys then told other people and Jesus did show up and he did prove to them his existence and they did preach the gospel and this word does have authority and it is true. We know that because God is faithful and powerful and awesome. I I, I just want to invite you as we live out the power of the resurrection, I want you to not just to give thanks for a God who is your friend, but to give thanks for a God who is awesome and powerful and mighty and majestic. That it so overwhelms you that you feel the heat from the fire of his love in such a way that just like Peter, you're dropped to your knees. And all we could, I think that's why in heaven the song is holy, holy, holy. Because those are the only words you can come up with in his presence. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's okay to be bewildered. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be unsure. But just know above and behind that is a God who has already accomplished what we're hoping for. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, there is so much we don't understand and so much that we uh, still wonder about and doubt. And frankly, Lord, if our feeble little human minds could fully grasp who you were, you wouldn't be worth worshiping. It's in the mystery. It's in the awe. It's in the unseen. It's in the expectation. It's in hope that we feel your presence. For those who doubt, give light. For all of us who have sinned, grant your mercy. And Lord, would you share with us your peace that even though we haven't seen you yet, you truly are risen from the dead. We pray that in his powerful name. Amen.